Praise the Lord, church. Amen. It sounds like there's three or 4,000 of you out there. I mean, isn't God good? I mean, aren't you thankful for his presence that we feel in this place tonight? Aren't you thankful? Isn't he a good God? Amen. Isn't he faithful? Amen. Let's give him a little bit of praise. Amen. Can we do that? If he's ever brought you out, come on, if he's ever delivered you, if he's ever healed you, if he's ever provided for you somehow, some way, if he's ever protected you, if he's, if he's ever looked out for you in any way, come on, let's give him just a few moments of praise. Amen. We wouldn't be where we are without him, and we give you honor tonight, God. Hallelujah, Jesus. God, I thank you. God, I thank you. Amen. He's a good God tonight. Thank you. Give honor to the praise team. Amen. <laughs> Amen. And he said all that great stuff about me, but he didn't tell you that I'm blind. Did you know that I'm blind? Oh, well, oh yeah, you did because I threw my stuff on you earlier. <laughs> well, if you didn't know, surprise. It's so funny. We were in Indiana and we were setting up a table and some lady, she was actually another missionary. She came up and she said, that table's for the missionary to Israel. And I'm like, I is the missionary to Israel. <laughs> Surprise. Her husband was so embarrassed. Amen. But I love just having a little bit of fun. You don't mind if we have a little bit of fun here tonight, do you? Amen. And uh, give honor to the prices and great friends. And uh, uh, obviously, your pastor's a hero. I still remember. There's very few sermons that I remember, but I still remember two of his. Amen. When the fish are laying, or if the cows are laying, the fish ain't biting. I remember. Amen. And it's great to be here. And uh, it's very humbling for the, to see someone do backflips the way that he did to try to get us here. I, I'm like, oh, God, please help us do a good job tonight. <laughs> yeah, amen. <laughs> Glory. Amen. And and uh, Sister Carpenter, Abigail Carpenter, friends from Global Missions. Is she here tonight? Oh, she's in a toddler class. Well, hallelujah. That's what you get for being a blind guy. Amen. I let people see my cane because I don't want them to, I don't want them to think it's a gun. I had security one time. What do you got in your pocket while I'm preaching? I'm like, hold on. I'm just a blind man. Don't shoot. Y'all allowed to have guns around here? Okay. Just I'm letting y'all know. I know some of you got them in your purses, don't I? Uh, amen. It's, uh, you're going to have a hard time getting self-defense out of shooting a blind guy. Just letting you know. Amen. Great honor to be here tonight. And uh, I wouldn't literally, you got to give honor to my wife. I literally, I wouldn't be where I am without her. And um, I know that's sweet and all, but really, I mean, she drove us here. And I... <laughs> She's like, well, you tell that everywhere we go. And I'm like, well, that's because you drive us everywhere we go. Eh? Amen. And uh, so thankful for, for you to be here. And you guys want to meet her. Is that okay? She's up here just patiently waiting. Just hand me the microphone. There you go. Praise the Lord, everyone. I wanted to thank all of you for sending this heat so I can have practice when I go back to Israel. So. <laughs> Um, I know Matt will probably share a little bit of his testimony, but I wanted to share mine as well. We got married earlier this year, and when I did, um, got the opportunity last year to go to Israel for the first time. And when I did, it was a hard time in my life because I had lost a sister to an accidental overdose 
two years earlier, and my dad was diagnosed with cancer um, that took him in six weeks. So when I, God was calling me over there, it was a time where I didn't know if I'd be able to see my dad alive again. Um, but God knows where we're at, and he knows how to use moments like this to show his glory. One of the first places I got to go to was an overlook of all of Jerusalem. And when I was up there, God gave me this vision of the disciples going out and probably leaving everything they had and not being able to say goodbye. So it's such a passion of mine to go back and um, spread the gospel, especially for what they gave to us. We want to um, give back to them. Um, a couple of prayer requests, maybe uh, favors from you. Israel is experiencing some... Um, I guess some kickback, I guess, against Christianity. They're not allowing some Christian visas to be renewed, so that affects us and our team. And a special prayer for Pakistan because um, some groups are coming in and um, literally burning up our brothers and sisters' habitations and things like that. So pray for the Middle East because um, we're seeing a lot of trouble over there. But to God be the glory, he could do anything. So thank you for the honor of being here today. Amen. Didn't the Lord do me good? Hallelujah. Isn't she gorgeous? It's so funny. They say that when you go to Bible school, that you build some of the greatest relationships that you ever make in your life. And it's true. And I went to Indiana Bible College. And, you know, my friends there know that I'm Jewish and they know that I've got Israeli citizenship, dual citizenship between the United States and Israel. And, uh, well, when they heard that I was engaged, one of my friends texted me and he said, Matt, I guess it's true. I said, well, what's true, brother? And he said, well, I guess it's true that some women will do anything to get Israeli citizenship. <laughs> you believe he said that to me? I couldn't help myself. I just texted him back. I said, brother, you're just mad because I'm blind and I still get better looking girls than you do. <laughs> Amen. Amen. If you can't tell, I'm thankful for my wife. Amen. Amen. I give God some praise for what he's doing. You guys believe in standing for the reading of the word around here? Amen. Would you do that? Amen. A Leviticus chapter 11. Uh, Leviticus chapter 11, verse 2. And you already know if you're turning there, what kind of preacher preaches from Leviticus? Oh, one that ain't got any sense, I suppose. Leviticus chapter 11, verse 2 says this. Speak unto the children of Israel, saying, These are the beasts that ye shall eat among all the beasts that are on the earth. Verse 3, Whatsoever parteth the hoof and is cloven-footed and cheweth the cud among the beasts, that ye shall eat. Verse 4, Nevertheless, of these you shall not eat, of those that chew the cud. And I want to jump down to um, Mark, or sorry, Matthew chapter, Matthew chapter 11 or 10. You got to cut me some slack. I'm a blind man with an iPad. Matthew 10, verse 16. Matthew 10, verse 16 says, Behold, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. Amen. I was waiting for God to give me some sort of confirmation. And when your pastor said, oh, we've, we've, we've thrown your wife to the wolves, I knew I was in the Holy Ghost. <laughs> I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. Be you therefore wise as serpents 
and harmless as doves. I don't know what you come expected tonight, but I do believe that God's going to challenge somebody tonight. I believe God's going to do a great work. And, and we're seeing people get filled with the Holy Ghost, people getting healed. And in fact, one church we were at, a blind lady um, had a stroke and, and God healed her, uh, completely healed her. She threw her uh, walker away. God opened her eyes. It was a pretty incredible ordeal. Just a couple weeks ago in Mississippi. When the Lord is in the house, anything can happen. Yes. Amen. You believe that? You're already watching a blind man preach from an iPad. That's one miracle in the house tonight. Amen. If you need something from God, would you just put your Bibles down and just maybe raise your hands and ask God to talk to us. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your great grace and your abundant mercy in God and how you work. We're asking you to come down tonight, God. We're asking you to challenge us with your word by your spirit. We're asking you to do works that only you can do, God. We're going to hear the preaching of the word, God, but we're asking you by your spirit. Amen. Let us. Amen. Do your part, God. Confirm the word. Challenge. Amen. Heal. Amen. Fill. God. Restore. Redeem. Amen. Amen. Do all that you can do tonight, God. Amen. And challenge us to be, amen, greater for the kingdom of God. Send us forth as sheep in Jesus' name. And if I could give you a title, I would, I would entitle it. I mean, he's sending us as sheep into the wolves. And you would think that that would be the prey for the predator. But God's going to turn some things around. So we're going to title it the predator for the prey. The predator for the prey. In Jesus' name. Be seated. Oh, let me see what time it is here. I can't see the clock. 7.24. Oh, my goodness. I got all night. Um, I, I try to think of a good starting place. I guess a good starting place would be where I've been in Israel. And I've been in um, Israel for several months at this time. And I was with a rabbi. And I don't know where we were going. We were going and doing something. And this particular rabbi also happened to be a police officer. And, uh, you know, we pull up behind one car and, and then he just starts snarling out of the side of his mouth and he's like, uh, and he called this guy a pig. And I thought, wow, that's pretty interesting. He would call him a pig. And I was like, well, well, Rab, why'd you call him a pig? He's like, you don't understand why I called him a pig? And I'm like, well, no, 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 I don't. As a matter of fact. And he's like, well, Matitiahu, it's time for you to learn about what it means to be a kosher animal. And I'm like a kosher animal, Rabbi, I already know. He's like, well, what does it mean to be a kosher animal? I said, well, it requires a couple of different things. You've got to have a, a cloven hoof, and you've got to have um, the ability to chew the cud. And so even the text opens up in Leviticus, and it tells us that very thing, right? But it, it doesn't stop there. It actually goes through and describes a couple of animals for us. One of them is a camel. Another one is a coney, and the other one is a rabbit. Now, what's the difference between a coney and a rabbit? I don't have any idea. Amen. And I don't know that it's all that important. But what it says is, is that these animals chew the cud. And even though they chew the cud, they don't have a cloven hoof. And because they don't have a cloven hoof, they're not a kosher animal. And then it goes through and it tells us that the swine is not a kosher animal either. Because even though it has a cloven hoof, it doesn't chew the cud. And therefore, an animal requires both chewing the cud and a cloven hoof in order to be considered a kosher animal. And you're probably thinking, Matt, why is that important to us? Well, it's not so much important to us about what we're going to eat and what we're not going to eat. But what's interesting is, is how the rabbis define the chewing of the cud and the cloven hoof. And how they define it is by markings of holiness. And so it's, it, these animals require two distinct markings of holiness in order to be considered a kosher animal. And not only is it a kosher animal that you can eat, 
but they also have to be a kosher animal in order to be accepted as a sacrifice on the altar. Amen. And that sacrifice could be for a sin offering, it could be a guilt offering, it could be just an offering, whatever it is. Amen. And sometimes God will call someone to offer up a sacrifice like he did Elijah. And sometimes hey, you're just guilty of sin. And for whatever reason, you need to bring a sacrifice in order to be atoned for it. So the point that I'm trying to communicate is this, that these things require two different markings of holiness. The internal is what it's called, chewing the cud, and an external, the cloven hoof. Internal marking of holiness, chewing the cud, and an external marking of holiness, the cloven hoof. And so it requires both of these, internal and external. And so when I began to learn about this, I was like, well, that's interesting. Amen. Those old school, so-called uneducated apostolic preachers were right again. Amen. It requires both the internal marking of holiness and the external markings of holiness in order to be accepted by Almighty God. In fact, it's, it's God's prescription. Amen. Not just for an animal to be eaten, but for the sacrifice in order to be offered on an altar. It requires both the internal and the external. And so it's interesting because when we start looking at it from that perspective, then we can go through and see that, you know, if it's just the internal markings of holiness that, that an animal has, such as the camel or the coney or the hare, that animal wasn't considered acceptable. It wasn't considered kosher to eat, nor is it an acceptable sacrifice. Why? Because it only had the internal markings of holiness. And the same thing with the pig. The pig wasn't a considered to be considered uh, uh, an acceptable marking, uh, acceptable sacrifice either, because even though it had the external markings of holiness, it lacked the internal marking of holiness. So it wasn't good enough just to have one. Amen. It wasn't just good enough to have the other. You had to have both the internal and the external. Amen. So these old school, uneducated preachers, supposedly, right, when they're preaching to you, you've got to have the internal right and you've got to have the external right. I think they have a good idea what it is that they're talking about. I'm telling you, it matters what you believe about God. Amen. And so the rabbi is very interesting. You know, the, the, the law is a schoolmaster. That's what it's intended to do. It's, it's, there's literal things and physical things that God has expectations, but those literal things and those physical things are designed, amen, to bring an awareness to us, amen, that we've got to have separation, amen, and we've got to have it on the inside, and we've got to have it on the outside, amen. So when we're going through, and, and it's interesting that the rabbi brings it up, and he calls this guy a pig, based upon what I just taught you, what do you think he was saying? He was saying that the guy had it on the outside, but he lacked it on the inside. Right. Amen. And you've got to have it more than just on the inside. Right. You've got to have it on the outside, and you've got to have it more than just on the outside. You've got to have it on the inside. Right. And so walking with God, I've learned some things. Do you mind if I share a little bit of my testimony with you? Amen. And I'm going to bring this teaching right here. I'm going to come back to it. And then I'm going to unite the, the, the things I'm trying to communicate with my testimony at the end. Is that okay? So I'm going to revisit this just so I, you don't feel like I've left you hanging. I, I, I haven't always been blind. Uh, you know, I grew up in a place where drugs and alcohol was okay. My parents gave them to me. And, and you know, I don't want to be here all night and tell you the whole story. Um, but I ended up, you know, in institutions, foster homes, jails, caught my first felony conviction when I was 13, got out just as I was turning 18, took off and ran. And I ended up coming down, believe it or not, into a little town uh, called Jacksonville, Jacksonville, Arkansas, 
So that's where I actually lived for several years, a couple years. And it, not only is it a place where I lived, but it's also the place where I learned to manufacture methamphetamines. <laughs> so welcome home. Amen. Where's, where's my greeting? I was expecting dinner made. Oh, wait a minute. It's here. It's a, amen. But yeah, believe it or not, yeah, I grew up around here, I guess, as a, as a teenager a little bit and, and learned how to destroy my life. And, uh, you know, and that's what I did. And so, you know, I, I, at 18 years old, I was already sticking needles in my arms and, and doing drugs. And, uh, you know, it, we, it got to a place where it was too much and I left and tried to get my life together and couldn't. Ended up in Missouri where I was hanging out with some friends and they wanted me to teach them how to cook dope the way that I knew how. So I did, and, 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 and I had a pocket full of them, and, and pull of, of, full of it from the night before. And, and the guy said, Matt, are you sure you want to do this? And I said, well, if God didn't want me to do this stuff, he'd let me know. And the next thing I know, um, he's handing me a container that had snow on it, and I cleaned the snow off, off of it, and the thing blew up about 18 inches below my face. It about killed me. And, uh, you know, and I woke up. I could still see, and, and I get up, and... and uh, uh, the guy ended up leaving, there, leaving me there to die, and uh, thank God he had mercy on me. The Bible says that the wages of sin is death. Amen. I'm glad that that day wasn't payday. I'm telling you, the wages of sin is death. Amen. You never know. It seems like, you know, we'll just go through life, but you, you never know what's going to happen. You never know where there's a stray bullet. You never know where there's going to be a car accident. You never know when you're going to find yourself in the freakiest of situations and circumstances where the enemy comes knocking on the, the door of your life, demanding your soul. And in this day and age, darkness, as it covers the face of the earth, we've got to know who we are. We, we've got to uh, take our time and, and get to know the Lord. We've got to. We've got to get ourselves ready. We don't have time to be playing games. We don't. Amen. And I hope, I hope you don't mind, but I'm going to preach to you tonight like my little brother is sitting out there in the audience. We don't have time to be playing games. Amen. We've got to get right with God. Amen. We've got to know who he is. I'm telling you. Amen. I'm going to reach for my family tonight. Is that okay? And, and so, you know, you know the hand of God was on me because that stuff blew up so close in, to my face and I walked away still just as good looking as I am. Hallelujah. God had mercy on me. And, 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 and I did. I ended up going to the hospital and I checked myself out against medical advice. Uh, I was on life support for more than two weeks. And, and you would think that that would be enough to make me stop using drugs, but it wasn't. And my mom caught wind that I was back cooking dope as a blind guy. And it was the greatest thing that she's ever done for me. She called the drug task force. And I ended up arrested in Illinois. And, and I was looking at 45 years in prison, and I only got six. So you know that, that God's mercy was there. I, and and, and I, there I am in prison as a blind guy for, for all those years. And, and, and I'd gotten to a place where I was a little fed up with that. I couldn't even watch the TV. You know, there weren't no books like that. I had to get books on tape from, it was just a big mess. I got tired of prison very quickly. And, and I wanted to try to get my life together. And my thought process was, I wonder what would happen if I put as more, much effort into building my life uh, if, as I did destroying it. What would happen then? So I get out and I, I started going to college. I was going to be a drug and alcohol counselor. And I was looking forward to, you know, a new life. And I had gotten married before I went to prison thinking that it would help me. It didn't. 
but we ended up having a couple of kids and, and, and we ended up moving to Indiana to try to start over. Now, I've realized that my testimony has already been a little bit raw, but it's going to get more raw. Is that okay? I, the, the issue for me is, is that, one, I don't want you to fill in the blanks with your own imagination. It was bad enough on its own. I mean, I don't, I don't need anybody to put their imagination on it. The, the other thing is, is that I want people to know that we're real people. Real people make real mistakes. And they go through real circumstances. They go through real trials. And, and I also want people to know that he's a real God. I want people to know that he's a real savior. I want people to know that he's a real deliverer, a real de redeemer. He, he really does hear our cry, and he is interested in doing something about our circumstances. So I want to tell you, is that okay? So what happened was is that I was home alone with my kids blind. You know, I wasn't trying to be a deadbeat dad. I was going to school, and my wife wanted to get a job, and, and, and so I was home for just a couple of hours, and what I did was I sat down in the chair right next to my daughter, thinking it wasn't going to be that big of a deal, but when I did, I just sat on the bottom part of her leg, and it shouldn't have been that big of a deal, but I demanded that we take her to the hospital, and, you know, by the time the hospital, I started asking questions about me being blind and stuff like that. They called Child Protective Services found out I was blind in a meth lab explosion, and, and they're thinking, well, we've got to protect these kids, and rightly so, right? If, if you've got drug addicts and a, and a baby's hurt, Child Protective Services in the state needs to do something about it. We've got to protect the kids. I understand that. The problem is it didn't stop there. She was diagnosed with a small fracture in her leg, no swelling, no bruises. They didn't cast it. They didn't splint it. They said it was going to heal on its own in two weeks to not worry about it, don't do anything with it. The problem was is that Child Protective Services put him in a foster home. And in a couple of weeks, I ended up being arrested for battery on a minor and neglect of dependent. And what happened was I was looking at 40 years in prison and what I was being accused of was picking her up by her feet and smashing her head off a coffee table. And you're probably wondering how in the world did it jump from what it was to, to the accusation. And the answer to that is because the orthopedic surgeon who saw her the next day diagnosed her with a, with a skull fracture. And then the family doctor, who's seen her a week later, diagnosed her with a skull fracture, bruises and scratches on her face, and her leg fracture was now a very destructive, a very violent spiral fracture. And so a spiral fracture on the leg of a, of a very young baby, an infant that can't even walk, the assumption is that I picked her up by her feet and did something to her. And so he wrote a nasty report saying these injuries were consistent with child abuse, and I ended up being arrested. So I'm in jail. And I ended up getting a call from, well, I called my grandma, actually. It was a message I was supposed to call her, so I called her. And she's like, oh, Matt, the, the lady across the street is praying for you. Don't accept no plea bargain. God's going to do something in your life. I'm getting you an attorney. And, and you know, I should have been able to you know, catch up on what she was saying. But, you know, this whole God doing something in my life, I couldn't even imagine that God would be interested in, in doing or anything for me. I had no God consciousness at all. You know, so when she just went over, I just let it go in one ear and out of the other. I was just excited that she had gotten an attorney for me. And so a couple of weeks later, the attorney comes, he visits, and, uh, uh, you know, he, he talked to me into signing a plea bargain. And the plea bargain was for staying home alone with my kids blind and causing a bodily injury. And he said that due to my past criminal record, that plea bargain was gonna get me somewhere between 15 and 20 years in prison. And so I'm like, well, I, you know, that's, if that's what it is, then that's what it is. I, I suppose I'll sign it if that's what I'm guilty of. 
and I'm going to go to prison for it anyway. I might as well sign it. And he convinced me because he said that this was going to be better than the 40 years that I was going to get. So I signed the plea bargain, and, and, and I don't know what you would do in that situation, but I just went to my cell, and I hit my knee, and I said, God, if this isn't what you want to happen, don't let it. And that was it, you know. I wasn't expecting God to do anything. I just, that's the only thing I knew how to pray, and that was it. So, you know, we go to court the next day. They, they take me uh, uh, back into another room, and he, he's upset. My attorney said he's been an attorney for over 20 years. They decided to take the, the plea bargain off of the table and was going to take me to trial and give me every bit of the 40 years. And he was upset. I've never seen this happen, he said. And I understand, too, how are you going to talk someone into signing a plea bargain you know, and then he, he told me, he said, well, you never would have signed that plea bargain if you weren't guilty. So that's what the judge said. So they decided to reject the plea bargain and, uh, and go to trial. And so there I am. And, and I don't know what you do when you go to jail, but me, I cry. You know, I, uh, uh. but you know, months go by and, and we fired that attorney and, and you should too. You got to have people who believe in you, who's willing to fight for you. And he was willing to take time to understand what's going on. He didn't want to do any of that. He just kept saying, you're going to get found guilty. And by the way, let me just take a moment to tell you to look around. You see everybody in here? Amen. You're, you're surrounded by people who love you, who'll fight for you, who'll pray for you. Amen. Who'll roll up their sleeves, you know, when, it's, when you need it. You know, welcome to the church. I just wanted to, amen. There's nothing like the body of Christ. Amen. Amen. And so there I am, I, 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 months go by and we fired that attorney. And uh, my thought process was, is that if I'm gonna give him all my money, I'm gonna go to prison skinny. Amen, so I'll fire him and at least, at least I'll go to prison fat. If I'm gonna go one way or the other, I might as well go as a fat guy, amen? Amen, so we fired him and, and months go by and I end up getting to a place where I'm very depressed and, and really broken. And, uh, and, 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 and I, I, I'm in the process of making a noose and, you know, really contemplating suicide, and I was. I was going to do it that night, and I just had a thought, and the thought was simply this. Call your wife and tell her goodbye, and I'm like, okay, that's a really good idea, and so I knew that the kids were going to be there to visit with her the next day because they were still in foster care even all those months later, and uh, I called her up, and I told her, look, I did the best I could with what I had, and, you know, I'm here telling my kids that I'm getting ready to to, to, you know, say goodbye to them and, you know, all this stuff and just crying and telling her, like, uh, she doesn't understand what I'm saying, but, you know, I knew where my heart was. My heart was, I can't live like this. And I said, God, I heard you wouldn't put anything more on us than what, than what we could bear, but this is way too much for me. And so, you know, as I'm on the phone telling my wife goodbye, a couple of jail chaplains walk through the door. And, you know, they just came in and said, hey, does anybody need to talk? And that's a really important statement because, uh, you know, first of all, I had been there for months and we've never had any kind of ministry in there whatsoever. But the other thing is, is this, that that's all it was. It said, hey, does anybody need to talk? You know, and I think that that's really important because I think that we think that we've got to have a, a, an evangelist card or got to be some sort of great orator called to preach in order to be able to reach the lost. But that isn't true. Amen. That's all it was, was just a question. Hey, does anybody need to talk? And what that did was open up, amen, an opportunity for me who was broken, amen, beyond even imagination, who was on the verge of suicide, said, yeah, yeah, I need to talk. And you know what I did next? I just hung up the phone. I didn't even say goodbye to my wife anymore. And we go in my cell, and I told him my story, the same thing that I told you. And, and it finally got to a place where the guy spoke up, but he said this. He said, Matt, we don't know what happened, but we know a God who does. Matt, we can't do anything to help you, 
but we know a God who can. You know, and they begin to pray for me. And listen, I want you to know something. It matters what you believe about God. Amen. Because if you don't think that he listens, if you don't think that he, he cares, if you don't think that he's able or even willing to do anything about your circumstances, he's going to be the last person that you run to. But if you know that he hears you, if you know that he's got your back, if you know that he's going to answer, if you know that he wants to do something about it and bring you out and deliver you somehow, some way, if you know that mountains melt like wax before the Lord, if you know that he's the light of the world, you're not going to be intimidated by hopelessness. You're not going to be intimidated by dark, impossible situations. Why? Because God is going to come down. God is going to deliver somehow. Some way, God's going to step into your situation. Amen. If you knew that God had your back like that, amen, what type of hopeless would you run into? What type of darkness would you go in and, and ask God to come down and, and show himself and reveal himself in that situation? Amen. And that's all it was. We don't know, but we know a God who does. We're not able to do anything about it, but we know a God who can. Do you realize the, the power in those sentences? You know what they're doing? They're saying, Matt, we're just men. We're limited. We don't have the resources. We're powerless in this situation. But by the way, let me introduce you, amen, to the one true God. Let me introduce you to the one that's not powerless. Let me introduce you to the one who is able to reach beyond these walls, who has an unlimited amount of resources. And you know what they were doing, whether intentionally or unintentionally, they were taking the focus off of them and their ministry and putting it on God and his ministry. And I'm telling you what happens in that situation is that you give God an opportunity to show up and step in your situation and God to do the work. And they didn't even realize what they were doing. Hey Amen. They were helping God and stepping back and giving God an, inner, an opportunity to reveal himself in my impossible situation. And I wish I could tell you that after they got done praying, I felt something, but I felt nothing. Absolutely nothing. But the next thing I know, I've got five more preachers coming in the jail looking for me. Amen. Coming into that ward looking for me. None of them knew each other, knew one another. None of them sent one or the other. Amen. They just came in somehow, some way looking for me. Here's what I'm trying to say. I believe that if we can just understand who God is and give God an opportunity to do it. Amen. God has a way of doing it that goes beyond what of our capabilities are. God is the one who's willing to step into your circumstances. And they came in and started doing Bible studies with me. And it wasn't so much a Bible study on doctrine. That would have been helpful. But what they did is they showed me stories of people in the Bible that were surrounded by enemies that maybe sometimes made some mistakes. Sometimes they were innocent. Sometimes they were just going through it because that's the season of the time. But you know what? They had, they had a, 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 a similar pattern and a, and a similar uh, uh, thing that took place. And what that pattern and that thing was is that no matter what was going on around them, they had the audacity to call on God. 
They asked God to somehow, some way, step into the situation. And that's exactly what happened. You know, they said, Matt, if God can do something for them, don't you think he could do something for you? And I'm like, well, okay. And months go by, and I finally get into a place where there was a God consciousness, right? That's what happens when you do Bible studies with people. They go from a place of lack of God consciousness, zero God consciousness, to a, a God consciousness and awareness. Amen. That this is who God is. He's a lover of people. He's a deliverer of souls. Amen. He's a savior from circumstances, right? And once you be able to communicate that and show that in Bible studies, people's hope, amen, a heart will arise. And that's what happened in my life. I've just began to think, well, God, if you can do it for them, would you do it for me? <clears throat> so I'm in the jail cell and I'm crying. God, you know the truth. And I'm facing the wall and I'm doing the best I can to be as macho as macho could be. But I'm broken because my kids are out there and, you know, the state, they're trying to take my kids and completely adopt them out to, 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 the, to these foster parents. And, and I'm like, God, you know the truth. I'm not even capable of doing what these people said that I did. Your, your word declares that you, you, you make the innocent or the guilty, you make the guilty innocent. And if that's what you'll do for the guilty, what will you do for the innocent? Do you really, God, if you really lead captivity captive, God, if you're really a savior, God, if you're really a deliverer, will you deliver me? Amen. If you brought Jonah out of the whale, can you bring me out of this thing? God, will you please help me? And as I'm crying out, God, you know the truth. I hear an audible voice say, go get the medical records. And it freaked me out because I didn't know what in the world was going on. But in my heart of hearts, what if that was the voice of God? What if, what if God had talked to me? And so I got up and I called my wife and I told her, I said, listen, we need to go get those medical records. I didn't tell her I heard the voice of God. Amen. I didn't want her to think I was completely wacko, but she did. She went and got the records from, from all three doctors and the hospital diagnosed her with a small fracture. We had pictures of her and everything. No skull fracture, no nothing. The orthopedic surgeon who diagnosed her with a skull fracture, he did so without taking any x-rays of her head at all. How you diagnose her with a skull fracture, you don't take any x-rays, no CT scans, no MRIs, nothing. And we even had the x-rays that he took. They were all of her leg. Even the follow-up report never mentioned a skull fracture at all. It was only of her leg. And so we're scratching our head, and we go to the family doctor. We get his reports, and, and he writes down in his reports exactly what happened. He's, he wrote down, we never looked at the x-rays. We only went by what the foster parent had said. And so he never looked at the x-rays, but he, he, his report was the most incriminating report that was written. And he wrote reports that none of the other doctors even agreed with. But they were still being used against me as though they were legitimate evidence. And what we found out is that that foster parent wanted so bad to adopt our kids. And she went from doctor to doctor claiming that my daughter had injuries that she never even had. And she was just, well, they're drug addicts. But she didn't realize that we hadn't done drugs for years at that point. She just said, well, we're trying to get the kids and, and went from doctor to doctor saying, you know, that she had these injuries that she never even had. And so society, you know, and rightly so, man, if you're in, doing drugs and, and you're abusing the kids, you deserve to be locked up. The kids need to be protected. And, you know, I, I understand that. But, you know, society said lock them up, throw away the key, let another man have his wife and let someone else raise his kids. It was over for me. That's what society said. That's what men said. That's what circumstances said, amen. But there's something happens, amen, when you call upon the name of the Lord. There's something happens when you set your heart towards him.
There's something that happens when you believe that he's capable of doing something somehow, some way. Amen. And here's what I'm telling you. He is a savior. Amen. He is a deliverer. Amen. It took two years, but God brought me out of that jail cell. Amen. I didn't like being in there for two years. If it was something that I was not guilty of, I wanted to be out right away. I understand that. But here's the thing. Sometimes you just got to wait and allow God to go through the process. And we don't want that. We want it right now. Amen. And if we don't get it right now, amen, we give up hope. We give up our faith. We get quit believing in God. But, but in this day and age, amen, we've got to hold on to, to what he said. We've got to hold on and believe that he's capable of doing what he said he's going to do, no matter how long it takes. We've got to trust him. Amen. We've got to keep holding on to it. Because what happens is we get a word on Sunday, and if it doesn't come to pass by Wednesday, amen, we're backslidden by Thursday, taking matters into our own hands and making it ten times worse and more difficult for God. Why don't we just hold on a second? Why don't we just trust him? Why don't we just believe in him? Why don't we just count on him to keep his word? Amen. Why don't we just do this? How about we just wait and say, God, I'm going to let you reveal yourself in this situation. You know why we don't do that? No one wants to be dangled over the flame of faith. No one wants to go through that. But I'm telling you, in this day and age, we've got to have a revelation of God. Hey, we've got to be able to step back and say, hold on a second, God. I'm going to trust you here. God, I'm going to expect you to show up. I'm going to expect you to do it however you want to do it. God, I, I, I'll get myself out of the equation. God, let me set my expectations on the back burner. God, I want you to step in and do it the way that you know how and wait for him and watch. What, you know why? Because when God does that, God reveals himself. And you know what happened? No one can take away from me what God did. And I ended up getting out of jail, or jail and, and I ran to that little Pentecostal church. Next thing you know, God's filling me with the Holy Ghost. And I want you to know every last one of you are crazy. Running, jumping aisles, all this crazy stuff. And God filled me with the Holy Ghost and I couldn't help it. I, amen, I want to run the aisles too, amen. Amen, but that's what happens when he sets you free on the inside. That's what happens when he sets your heart right, right? That's what happens when he cleans you up. That's what happens when he delivers you. Amen. He makes you a new creature. Hey, you can't help it. Amen. I love it. I love what God did for me. Hey, AA and NA, I appreciate that. But you know what the problem with AA and NA is? You've got to go to the next meeting and hope that next meeting will help you push off the taste. But when God fills you with his spirit, you ain't got to push off no taste, right? Because he, he takes the taste away. He takes the desire away. Amen. He makes you new on the inside, cleans you up, sets you free, gives you a new life. Amen. There's power in letting God fill you with his spirit. So he changed my life. <clears throat> Excuse me. We, um, you know, a couple of months go by. I've been in church a couple months at that point, And the next thing I know, God's waking me up in the middle of the night. He said, get up and worship. And I'm like, okay. So I put my little headphones on. We had a little disc man back then. You probably don't even remember disc man nowadays, do you? Amen. So I'm listening to some, some, uh, some worship music from Because of the Times, those CDs back in the day. You remember them? Now you just go on YouTube and watch it all day long. But, but back then, you actually had to buy the discs and, or get them from someone at church. But so there I am. I've got my little headphones on, 3, 4 o'clock in the morning. Got my hands raised. Next thing you know, God's coming down in my home just like he did at church. Hey, I feel the presence of God at home like I did at church. Here's what I'm saying. I'm saying God will let you feel his presence at home. He'll turn your home into a sanctuary if you'll let him. 
Amen. He'll come and visit you there. And, and he began to talk to me. And he said, listen, I'm calling you to Israel. Amen. Like, like Paul, you're going to go in and out of the Jewish community. Amen. I'm going to give you an international ministry. And you're going to do this. And you're going to do that. And I didn't know any better. I'd only been in church for two months. But I'm like, well, be it unto me according to thy word, O God. Amen. I'm just like Mary. I didn't know what else to do. I, this seems so impossible for me. But you know what? You've done brought me out of the jail cell. What else are you going to do in my life? And so there I am. I'm like, okay. And then, then I went to church and I told all my friends. You know why they're laughing? Because they know that was not a wise thing to do. Amen. It was the biggest mistake I've ever made in church. And by the time the lion tells the monkey and the monkey tells the bear, pastors call me into his office. Amen. I don't know about you, but I love going to pastor's office. We're drinking Diet Cokes. Amen. We're going to Haciendas. Amen. We're laughing and joking. I love going to pastor's office when it's on my terms. But when he's the one that's making the appointment, ooh, it gets a little hot. And you know you're in trouble when he comes up to you right after or right before church and says, look, I need to see you in my office right after church. And so there I am, and we get in there and have a seat. And he's like, what's this I hear about you thinking you're the greatest apostle the world's ever known? I'm like, I don't even know what an apostle is. I'd only been in church two months. And he's like, well, I hear you got the, you're going to have the greatest revival the world's ever seen. And I'm like, whew, I don't even, what is revival exactly again? And what's this I hear about you thinking you're a two witnesses? I'm like, what is a two witnesses? I had no idea. But that's what happens by the time the lion tells the monkey and the monkey tells the bear, right? It just gets bigger and bigger. And the next thing you know, pastor's like, are you sure you're not using drugs? And I'm like, pastor, God's delivered me. Hallelujah. And he's like, are you sure you're not fasting too much? Maybe it's time to come back to the table. And I'm like, well, if I'm fasting too much, where's the fried chicken? I'm hungry. <laughs> Amen. And he's like, he said this. He said, well, Matt, he said, are you sure you don't have a mental illness? That one kind of stung me quite a bit. And I said, Pastor, I don't know. Maybe I do have a mental illness. I don't think so. But if I do, what an embarrassing way to find out. <laughs> but if I do, Pastor, will you help me? Let's cut Pastor some slack. What would you do if you were Pastor? You had a blind guy just got out of jail, meth lab blowing up on him, and people are telling you that he's one of the two witnesses. You'd, you'd want to make sure he's okay too, right? <laughs> Amen. Let's cut pastor some slack. <laughs> Amen. You know, but I'm going through this whole ordeal, and you know what? I could have had one of two attitudes. And the, the, the one of two attitudes was, was with the attitude that I had. Pastor, if I've got a mental illness, will you help me? If I need some help, will you help me? That's one attitude I could have had. The other attitude I could have had was like, well, pastor, I guess you can't see the anointing on my life. I guess you can't see the call of God on my life. And you know what, Pastor? Since you can't see the one of them, I guess you're the blind guy in this situation. I could have had that attitude, but I hadn't been in church long enough to have that attitude. <laughs> Don't you love that? One minute you're like, yeah. The next minute you're like, oh my gosh, did he just punch me in the belly? <laughs> That's what you call a masterful delivery. <laughs> Here's the deal. Like, I say it that way because that's what happens, right? We should experience the presence of God. We should experience the call of God. All of us have a call of God on our life. 
Amen. All of us should be able to hear the voice of God, right? We should do that. But what happens is, is that when things don't progress the way that we think that they should, the enemy has a tendency to show up and say, listen, they can't see the anointing on your life. They're trying to hold you back. They don't believe in you. You've messed up way too much. They, they think you've messed up way too much. They don't even think that God can do something. And the next thing you know, amen, you're agreeing with the enemy and don't even realize it. And there's a wedge between you and the leadership in the church. Amen. And that's how it works. And we got to be careful in this day and age. Amen. We can't be letting stuff like that come in between what us and, and what God wants to do in our life. And we've got to have a pastor. That's what his job is. His job is to protect. His, jo his job is to develop. His job is to shape. His job is to train. His job is to help us. Amen. But if we don't understand that, especially in our infancy, you know, the enemy will come in there and, and literally sow all kinds of discord, create all kinds of wedges. And the next thing you know, we can't receive from God anymore. We can't even answer the call of God anymore because we're so offended over something that we don't understand. And what I'm trying to do, here's what I'm trying to do. I'm not trying to, he didn't pay me to say that. I'm just telling you, it's something that I tell everybody because that's how the enemy is working. Amen. We got so many people in the pews that won't move forward because they're convinced that the pastor doesn't believe in them. It's not true. Amen. The pastor does. He's just trying to help shape and mold and help us to, to answer the call of God. And I'm telling you, I don't know anybody that's successful in answering the call of God or even living for God without allowing a pastor to do what a pastor's job is in his life. That's just the way that it is. And I'm telling you that for this reason. One, because there's a devil who will rob what God wants to do in your life. That's one reason. The other reason is because of this. You know why? Because this isn't just my testimony. It's my pastor's too. And let me tell you, let me get to the end real quick. I know pastor's normally done by eight and we're just now touching that. <clears throat> Today I'm in Israel, right? Today I'm in Israel, and, and back then, I had no education. I went to Indiana Bible College. I ended up graduating from there with no money. I had no money, but my bill was completely paid off. I ended up graduating on time, and while I was there, God told me to prepare for a PhD. So I went and got my first master's degree in Bible, amen, and, and, and it took me three years, but while I was there, God told me it's time to go to Israel. Now it's time. So once I finished that master's degree, I went to Israel. And during the whole time, I'm telling everybody, God's calling me to Israel. I'm going to be doing this. I'm going to be doing that. And they're like, you're crazy. I don't know how in the world you're going to do that. Amen. But that didn't stop God from leading. And I realize I'm blind, but that didn't stop God from calling. And that didn't stop me from answering. And here's what I want you to know just briefly. Your weakness in the hand of a mighty God is his strength. I'm telling you, it's his strength. I'm telling you it's impossible for you. That's fine. It's his strength. It's his glory. Amen. So I go through the whole ordeal, and I end up getting to Israel, and I land there. And, and you know, when I got there, it was, it was crazy because there was no missionaries that were there in the country at the time. And, and so I had to get a, a taxi from the airport to the hotel, learn my way around the hotel, then get a taxi to the university, learn my way around the university, and get a taxi to an apartment, learn my way back and forth from my apartment to the university, did it all by myself and, and the hand of God, and God provided for me. And it wasn't until I got there I got connected with a guy that helped me um, take me to the western wall and that's when I found out that I was Jewish I had no idea zero idea the rabbis found out that I was Jewish they helped me bring me into a rabbi school I've been in a rabbi school now for six years and they gave me scholarships I had no money 
God just told me to go. Don't worry about it. I paid two degrees. Just go. I'll take care of you when you get there. So I went. Next thing I know, I'm in this rabbi school. They're giving me scholarships to pay my rent, pay for my school, pay for my groceries. And now I finished a master's degree while I was there in, in an Israeli university, did a second master's degree in another Israeli university. So I'm three of them now. And now I'm in a PhD program. And I'm telling you, and I've learned several different, probably 10 or so ancient languages and, and, and even, you know, blind. When they were writing these tablets and these scrolls all those years ago, they weren't thinking that a blind guy was going to want to read these 5,000 years from now. And so God put me with a guy that developed software, and, uh, and, and we ended up writing Braille code and making it so that we can read, you know, all these languages. There's 10 or 12 of them now, Greek, Hebrew, Aramaic, Syriac, um, Akkadian, uh, Sumerian, all these old. And, and so... What I'm saying is, is that God will make ways where there are no ways. And people didn't, they're, they're like, Matt, how in the world are you going to do this? And I told them, I don't know, but I believe in God. And that's what happened. I ended up going and believing in God, and God would show up where I least expected it. I didn't expect it. I just thought maybe they'd let me go without learning Greek and Hebrew. No, we wrote software so we could have Braille. Now we can open a, uh, you know, an ancient Sumerian tablet and at a touch of a button, turn it into Braille. It's incredible what God will do. And so, you know, and, and so I'm in Israel, I'm an Israeli citizen, and I started doing Bible studies with people, you know, just learning stuff. And, and next, I'm bringing folks to church, and, and before I knew it, COVID hit. And, and there was no missionary, and the churches began to just die, basically, as a result of COVID. No one was going. Missionaries were locked out of the country because they had visas. And there I am, a man with a call of God, blind as it, be, it may be, amen, but I still had a, a citizenship. So God said, go up to Jerusalem and serve that church up. So that's what I did. Next thing I know, we built it up to 25 people at, at, at its max. I know that may not seem much to you, but in Israel, amen, that was a big deal. I mean, we've never had a church in Jerusalem be that big. And so well, here's what I'm saying. God is the one who did it. And so we go through this whole ordeal. And, and you know, and, and, and let me tell you something. You know, when, when you do that type of stuff, you know, it doesn't matter what people say. Global missions, we had their attention at that point. And, you know, people back then, they were like, Matt, you're doing what missionaries are doing. So they filled out the applications to try to get me appointed. I didn't even, even to this day, I did not sign not one application. Everyone else did. And they told me, let me just tell you real quick. I mean, they told me, Matt, you're no way, you're not going to IBC. But God sent me to IBC. Matt, you're not going to be able to get that master's degree. But I got the biggest MDiv that you can get. Matt, you're not going to go to Israel. Amen. But God provided for me to get over there. Matt, there's no way you're going to be able to be an Israeli citizen. Here I am. I've got citizenship. Matt, there's no way you're going to be able to get those degrees and do a PhD. Well, God gave me the, the degrees. Now I'm in a PhD program. Matt, there's no way you're going to be able to build a church in, in Israel. We did one. Now we're working on two. Matt, there's no way you're ever going to be appointed. There's no way you're ever going to get a license. But God gave me a license. And you know, now I'm appointed. Matt, there's no way you're going to get ordained. Matt, you're a blind guy. God's going to use you to heal people. Amen. But guess what? God shows up. People get healed. People get full of the Holy Ghost. I've gotten ordained. Here's what I'm telling you. Amen. It doesn't matter what people say. It doesn't matter what the circumstances say. When God steps in your life and, and God shows up, God can do anything is what I'm telling you. And I've been in Israel now for seven years, and, and we are. We're trying to build. We've got a Bible school with my education. We're doing a Bible school, and, 
And what's unique about my education, I've been in rabbi school for six years. So I'm able to teach Old Testament and New Testament combined. And so that's what's setting people on fire because they're getting access to teaching. And you're about to get some more of it here tonight. I mean, that people just don't get, right? And so it's not that I'm taking the Old Testament and trying to make it apostolic. What I'm trying to do is show how God revealed himself in the Old Testament and revealed himself in the New Testament. And by being able to show those consistencies between the Old and New Testament, that's how we're able to show, amen, and show the, the revelation of God, even the Jews, people who, who are, uh, you know, just committed to the Old Testament alone. But when they see it between the old and the new, they're more open to accept Jesus Christ is what I'm saying. I mean, there's a reason for it. And so our Bible school, we're, we've got classes on there. And it's true that we're doing podcasts, but we're also, we're trying to reach several different people groups that are fighting. And since they can't come to our building, we want to take the school to them. And so we're trying to build a podcast and a video studio and so we could teach these classes both in several different languages, have people come over and help teach classes, video it, put it on the school, and since they can't come to us, we'll take it to them. Amen. It's a great idea. I think so. I mean, we're getting a lot of support for it. And uh, we've already got three students in our school, and, and, and I don't know when. You know, I could be wrong, but I don't know that we've ever had, you know, apostolic teaching, amen, since the time of the New Testament the way that it is now. And we're seeing God pour out his spirit. I mean, we have people in our services come in off of the street and receive the Holy Ghost. God is going to have revival in Israel. And I don't have any idea why he's called me. And, and I don't know why he hasn't healed me yet. But here's what I'm saying. I'm saying that God's going to have a church in Israel like the Bible says he's going to. Amen. And I thank God that I get the opportunity to be a part of it. <clears throat> That's what's going on in Israel. Now I'll say this. This isn't just my testimony. It's my pastor's testimony. You know why? Because after that end of that meeting, and I told him, I said, Pastor, I don't know. What am I supposed to think? You know, the problem is, and I told him my experience, and I told him, I said, the problem is that it's the same voice in the jail cell. And he's like, well, what are you talking about? I was like, well, the same voice that was in the jail cell is the one who called me to Israel. I mean, what am I supposed to believe? He's able to bring me out of the jail cell, but he's not able to take me into Israel? I mean, isn't that what he does? Doesn't he bring people out, clean them up, and then send them out to preach the gospel? Isn't that who Jesus is? Amen. Isn't that the idea? And he said, Matt, he's like, let's just see what God will do. And then here we are. And you know what else? It's not just his testimony. It's our church's testimony. Amen. Because they took care of my kids. Amen. They fed us. Amen. They gave us, you know, changed our diapers, did all this crazy stuff. Amen. And just took care of us. There's times I was homeless. People in the church took care of me. I wouldn't be where I am without the church. Amen. I, they fed us. They, I mean, loved us. I would not be where I am. And you know what? Who's else's testimony? It's our testimony. It's the body of Christ. You know, because for the last several years, we've, you know, people have just really taken us on. You know, I, the Romines specifically. Amen. It was one of the first just to support us. I know, you know, Brother Price talked about the, all the attachments on our van, but it was the Romines who bought it for us. You know, and we wouldn't be where we are. The suits that I've got on, I've had hand-me-downs for years. There's times I was living off of $300 a month. I had, my phone bill was $245. By the time I paid tithes, I had 10 bucks for the whole month. And I lived that way just following God. Amen. Now I've got all these suits that are custom made. You know why? Because there's a preacher in Mississippi said, Matt, we got to have our missionaries looking good. Amen. I'm going to give you these suits. And he gave me six of them and gave me some custom shirts. Amen. And this, I wouldn't be where I am without the church. My only, amen, success in doing all this stuff around here is because of the body of Christ. Amen. I would not be where I am without the church. And you know, neither would you. And I'm telling you, the church needs you. The body of Christ needs you. 
Amen. And we can't be having the, the enemy just show up and sow all kinds of seed of discord and, and doubt and anger and all this other bitterness. Amen. To try to stop you from answering the call of God on your life. You've got to have the call of God on your life. You've got to be answering it. You've got to do what God wants you to do. Especially in this day and age. You've got to. We've got to. I have one question for you. Do you want me to tell you one more story before I close it? Pastor, say yes, please. My offering has a tendency to diminish greatly after 8 o'clock. I just... <laughs> it's a good thing I don't preach for money. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. I, uh... I want to, when I first got out of jail, I, um, the people who witnessed me, his name was Steve Cook. He came and picked me up and went to church. And we get out of the car. And, you know, as soon as we get out of the car, there's this little old lady. And she goes, hey, you're good looking. And I'm thinking, oh, okay, thank you. And as, as soon as I responded to her, she said, won't you come over here and give me a hug? And here, here's 50 bucks. Take these sweet people who brought you to church out to eat. And I'm thinking, oh, okay. Yeah. And as I start walking over, cane and all, tap, 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 tap. As soon as I get close, she just says, she says, I just love young, good-looking apostolic men. And I'm thinking, what in the world's going on at this church? What in the world's going on at this church? But I'll be honest, I'm thinking that, but I was like, I don't really care for 50 bucks. I'll give you a kiss, too. Don't play with me. You'd have done the same thing. Amen. And so I did. I get over there, and, and I was like, oh, it's so nice to meet you. I'm Matt. She said, I'm Barb. And, and I go to give her a hug. And she's one of those little old ladies, you know, kind of has that smell to them when you get close. And I did. I didn't care. I hugged her anyway. And so I leaned in to give her a kiss on her cheek, and she, I mean, the, her whiskers tickled my face when I got close. I didn't care. I didn't even care. I just got out of jail, too. I needed that $50. I <laughs> Don't act like you wouldn't do the same thing. I, Amen. So there I am, and we're going through this horrible ordeal, and uh, we have a blast. And, and, and we, we built a great relationship, and we called her Grandma Barb, and she, wasn't, she didn't give me 50 bucks every week, but it was every other week for sure. And, you know, and she'd always tell me, God's going to do something, and you got this. And, and it was so cool because she, she'd see my kids pray through the Holy Ghost and everything. And I just love Grandma Barb, and, and we built a great relationship. And, 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 and there came a time where I really needed some money. And I don't know what you do when you need money, but I called Grandma. Called her Grandma Barb. She didn't answer. So I'm like, well, what am I going to do? So I called my other grandma, my real grandma, and called her and said, Grandma, yeah, I need a little bit of money. She said, well, you can come over and work for it. Okay, and see, I'm a great so I'm thinking I'm going to go over there and just kind of boss somebody else around while I lead on my cane and, and take all the credit for it. And so I show up over there, and, and she meets me at the door with some bush trimmers and a folding chair. And I'm thinking, Grandma, wow, you're going you're gonna to let me sit down while you stand there and trip those bushes. Okay, thank you for being so kind to me. And so we get out to the backyard. She unfolds the chair, sits down in it, hands me the, the bush trimmers, and she said, well, there's the bush. Get the clipper. And she sat there and told me, oh, to the right. So I got each branch, every single, right, right, there you go. There, there's one above, there you go, right there. there. Watch your fingers. 
I said to the right, can't you do anything correct? You know how grandma is sometimes. Eh, they can be a little rough. And so by the time I got done with that one bush, I was thinking, oh, well, you did a good job. Now it's time to go in there and get that spaghetti you said you was going to make. No, there was three more bushes. And then I had to rake it up. She wanted me to rake everything. You know, grandma's old, so she can't have the big trash bags. No, she's got to have those little trash bags, the ones that fit in your car. And she's out there, got me on my hands and knees, raking, amen, these, these branches and stuff into these trash bags. And so by the time I'm done, there's 40,000 of them out there. And you know how it is, because it took all day. But, you know, when you go to Grandma's house, there's always one more thing that needs to be done before you can go. And so we get out to the front, and she wants me to rake the rocks back out of the grass into the driveway. And those, right, those rock rakes got, you know, space in between the teeth that wide. And she's wanting me to rake these little bitty rocks. And so I'm out there like a blind man, just raking, raking, doing nothing. And finally, I get frustrated. Grandma, why don't you come over here and kick these rocks back in so we can go in there and get that spaghetti you said you made. Oh, you're the one who needs the money, not me. And by the way, pull your pants up. Nobody wants to see that. And so I'm frustrated. And my grandma, she's one of those ones that just talk trash to you the whole time. Hey, man, you're the, I told you that. I told you. Da, 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 da. And I'm thinking, oh, grandma, I'm glad it's the end of the day. Amen. So we finally get done, and, and I go inside there, and, 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 and she said she made some spaghetti. So I'm, I'm surprised that she's got a TV dinner, spaghetti TV dinner. And so she's going through the whole ordeal. My ride's coming, so we're sitting at the table eating our spaghetti popsicles when she hands me an envelope. And I open up the envelope. There's one bill in there, and I'm excited. I pull out my phone to see what it is because there's an app for the phone. You put it in a camera, and it tells you how much it is. Really cool. Thanks. Shout out to whoever invented it. But I was shocked because it said $5, $5. So I turned it over, there's gotta be some sort of mistake. Turned it over, $5, $5. I turn around, Grandma, there's something wrong with my phone. What's wrong with your phone, baby? It says there's only $5. Oh baby, ain't nothing wrong with your phone. That's what I pay. I'm thinking $5 for that whole day of work. Grandma, this isn't the depression anymore. And you know, she's like, well, I don't care if it's a depression or not. I, this is what I pay. And so I'm upset. And I know you probably wouldn't act this way, but, but in my heart, I'm, I'm mad because I've been out there. I needed money for the formula, for the diapers and all this other stuff. And, and I get to my heart where I'm just like, you know what? I'm not coming back here. And as I walk out, the Lord speaks to me as I'm walking underneath the garage door. And he said, she only wants what's best for you. And so we go through this whole ordeal, and the Lord's just talking about everything that Grandma said. And, you know, my grandma's not a very nice person sometimes. Some of the ways she presents stuff, you know, a C wasn't good enough for her when you can make an A. And, and she always wanted me to have my pants pulled all the way up to my chest. You know, and I'm like, Grandma, I can't live that way. I see how you got my dad looking. There's no way I'm wearing no pants. She didn't care. You know, and she, she, she always wanted me to wear turtlenecks and all this other crazy stuff. And I'm like, Grandma, you got me confused with Steve Jobs. But as we go through the whole ordeal, the Lord's ministering to me, and he says, Matt, she only wants what's best for you. You know, and, and it was that day, Grandma just kept harping on me. Matt, go to work, get a job. You know, go back to school, do something. Matt, I know those people hurt you. I know they did you wrong. Amen, but somehow or another, you've gotta, you've gotta get over that. And my wife, when we first got into church, she left. She didn't wanna have anything to do with God. You know, she, she ended up leaving and getting pregnant by somebody else and, and ended up marrying somebody else. And she's, my grandma's like, find you another girl, Matt. Get beyond it. Learn how to love again. Somehow, some way. Matt, you ain't got to be accepted handouts. You can work. Get out there and do something. And so the whole time she's harping on me, I just, I was just angry and bitter. And, and I just took it that way. But, but when the Lord spoke to me and helped me understand that she only wanted what was best for me, 
it just helped me appreciate what she was saying. She was just trying to help me get out there and do some work. And so I'm crying, Grandma, I love you. I'll see you next week. We'll do the roses then. $5 or not. My ride pulls up and I get in. And, and I was kind of upset that I only had $5, but I knew because I was going to church the next day and my other grandma was going to give me 50. Don't act like you wouldn't do the same thing. <laughs> Don't front with me. So we get up the next morning and I'm excited to go and I meet grandma and I'm like, oh, grandma, you're looking good at church. Is that a new dress? Oh, did you get some new perfume? And she stops me and she says, Matt, is your grandma Dolores Yoder? I said, how in the world do you know that? And she said, she said, Matt, when I was coming home from the grocery store the other day, she said, I looked up and I seen you out there breaking those dumb rocks. And she said, when I seen you, that's when the Lord spoke to me and said, there's the fruit of your intercession. And I said, well, what do you mean? And she said, Matt, I didn't recognize you. I didn't even know it was you. And she said, but, you know, here's what I'm telling you. I, I'm, I'm Barb Ward. I live across the street from your grandma. And so Barb Ward is the little old lady that everybody in the community goes to when they need something from God because they know that she's the intercessor. And so when I went to jail, my grandma didn't know what to do. She didn't have a relationship with God. But she knew the lady across the street did. And so she ran over there. My grandson needs something. And the lady said, hold on and let me pray and talk to God. Hey, 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 Mrs. Yoder, I want you to call your grandson and tell him, God said, don't accept no plea bargain. I'm going to do something in his life. <clears throat> I'm telling you, she never sent the preacher from her church to the jail. God sent the preacher from her church to the jail. Amen. She never sent the attorney. Amen. She never did any of that stuff. That's all she did was pray and trust God. Amen. God's the one that sent them. And when God did a miracle, she said, Matt, I knew God had brought you out. I knew you were going to church because your grandma told me. I just didn't know it was this church. God never sent anyone to bring me to her church. God brought me to her church. I'm telling you, God knows how to do it. God knows how to reveal himself is what I'm saying. And I'm telling you, maybe you've been coming to church and maybe you feel like, well, am I ever going to see the fruit of my intercession? I've been praying for you. Amen. Now, let me tell you something. God hears your cry. Amen. God knows exactly what's going on and God knows how to do it. And I'm telling you, one of these days, you're going to be coming home from the grocery store. You're going to look up and see the fruit of your intercession. In this day and age, we cannot be intimidated by time. We cannot be intimidated by hopelessness. We cannot be intimidated by impossible. Amen, because God is doing a great work. Isaiah chapter 11, uh, verse 1 says this. And there shall come forth a rod out of the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow up out of his roots. And you know what there is? There is a stump. And a stump is a symbol of, of something that's dead. Amen, there is no more. It's been cut off. Amen. And then here it says that when the Lord shows up, there's going to be a branch that comes out of that dead thing. And I'm telling you that the spirit of God knows how to make dead things alive. And God knows how to, he knows how to make impossible things produce impossibility. Here's what I'm telling you, the spirit, we've got to have the spirit of God. 
And we've got to have the Holy Ghost. And we've got to let God do a work. We've got to be intentional about letting the Spirit of God do the work in our life because he knows how to do it in a way that no one else can. Amen. The Spirit of God will do things in your life and in your ministry that you as a person will never be able to do. Verse 2. And the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, and the spirit of wisdom and understanding. I'm telling you, the spirit of the Lord will rest on you. And when he does, he'll bring wisdom and understanding. The spirit of counsel and might. I'm telling you, God will give you some counsel. You don't know what to do? Amen. How about we try giving the spirit of God an opportunity? How about we ask God what he thinks? Amen. I know situations say this. I know circumstances say that. And I know other people might have their opinion about this. But I'm telling you that, the, that where the spirit of the Lord is, amen. God knows how to counsel. He knows how to give direction. He knows how to give hope. And he knows how to do works that no one else can do. The spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. I'm telling you, if you can get your, the person you're trying to reach into the presence of God, God knows how to teach them. God knows how to guide them. God knows how to put the spirit of God on them. Verse 3. It shall make him of quick understanding in the fear of the Lord, and he shall not judge according to the sight of his eyes, nor approve after the hearing of his ears. You know what that means. That means that we have to learn how to close our eyes to some things. Circumstances will show up and make it look like it's impossible. Amen. But we got to learn how to close our eyes to those circumstances. Amen. Our ears, we're going to have to learn how to intentional about closing those things. The devil wants to show up and tell you, I don't think God's hearing you now. I don't think it's going to work this time. Oh, you've made some mistakes. You've been cut off. Amen. We got to learn how to close our ears to all that nonsense. And we got to be intentional about closing. God, this is what they say. Amen. This is what the circumstances say. But what do you say? We'll continue. Verse 4. But with righteousness shall he judge the poor. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. I don't know about you, but I thank God that he's a righteous judge. Amen. I thank God that it's even for the poor. You don't have to have money. This is for available for everybody. Amen. And will reprove with equity for the meek of the earth. Thank God. I don't know about you, but I want to bring my situation to him. Hey, man, I want to bring my mistakes to him. I want to bring my inabilities to him. I want to bring my disabilities to him. I want to bring my weaknesses, amen, the way that I think about it to him. Why? Because, amen, he judges righteously. Amen. He judges with equity for the, amen, when you're willing to bring whatever circumstance that you've got going on, whatever situation, amen, I don't know about you, but if there's anyone that's going to be the judge, I want him to be the judge. I want him to have his way. I want his spirit to do a work. He'll continue, and he shall smite the earth with the rod of his mouth. No, it says the earth and not people. And with the breath of his lips shall he slay the wicked. And I love that idea because oftentimes we think about people, but Abraham said it best like this. Don't I destroy my enemy when I make him my friend? Doesn't God slay a, right, or a, a wicked heart when he makes it holy? Huh? Amen. I'm telling you, if we could just start looking at the grace of God, amen, in situations and circumstances, if we could just get that in the present, that cut off thing right there will produce some fruit. That thing that, that looks like it's dead, branches will start growing out of it. Is what I'm, that's what the presence of God does. The presence of God and the Spirit of God will do things that you never imagined that it would. 
We've got to get people into the presence of God. We've got to get the Spirit of God on them. We've got to get them to a place where they can have the revelation of God and see what God wants to do in their life. Verse 5, and righteousness shall be the girdle of his loins. Thank God. That's what a righteous judge does. And faithfulness, the girdle of his, of his reins. And that's what happens when, when God is that way and we take him on. Amen. That righteousness becomes our girdle. That faithfulness becomes our girdle. That's what we become wrapped up in. Righteousness and, and faithfulness, not because we've got it, but because it's his spirit. We need a revelation of God. We need a revelation of the, of the spirit of God. And what God is doing in the earth these days, because I'm telling you, his mercy knows no limits. Amen. He'll take you out of the broken, out of the mess, out of the deepest miry clay and put your feet on a rock is what I'm saying. And he'll do that in your ministry. The people you're trying to reach, the children you ever wonder, is this ever going to have a, an impact? Is this ever going to make a You better believe it's going to make a difference. Get them into the presence of God. Learn them. Teach them how to, how to fall in love with the spirit of God and what God will do in their life. Verse 6. The wolf also shall dwell with the lamb. You see that? He said, I'm going to send you sheep into the wolves. And the sheep, we, we think that we're going to go into the wolves. The wolves are predators. The predators are going to overcome the sheep. But you know what this is saying here? The wolf is going to dwell with the lamb. Well, look what he says here. And the leopard shall lie down with the kid, and the calf and the long, young lion, and the fatling together. You know, he listed three animals. The sheep, the goat, and the cow. All of them are kosher animals. You know what that means? That means that they had the markings on the inside and on the outside. Jesus said, I'm going to send you like a sheep among the wolves. You know what? They was a kosher animal. They had the, the markings on the inside and the marking on the outside. And in this day and age, we think that, oh, well, God's going God's gonna to do that. But here's what he's saying, that the, sheep, or the, the, the wolf and the, the lion and the leopard, they're going to lie down. They're going to change their nature. Look what happens here. And the little child shall lead them. You know what a little child is? A little child is someone who's dependent upon their mother. And a little child in this context is someone that's dependent upon the Spirit of God. Amen. And that's what Jesus said. You got to have faith like little children. We need to depend on the, on the Spirit of God, on the Holy Ghost, to see what God will do. And watch what happens here in this next verse. Verse 7. And the cow and the bear shall feed. Their young ones shall lie down together. And the lions shall eat straw like the ox. And hear what it's saying. Amen. We think that as these animals, these animals are docile. They have no real way to protect themselves whatsoever. Amen. There's no reason why a wolf or, 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 or a lion or a leopard, amen, should bow down and, 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 and submit themselves to the, to the prey. But what happens here is that when the presence of God comes in, and you get that internal stuff right and you get that external right, amen, there's no predator, there's no situation that's going to overcome you. Right? You're going to overcome it. Why? Because God's got... His presence on you, his spirit on you. Amen. And I know it seems like we go through these impossible situations. Amen. These hopeless situations that look like they're going to swallow us up. Amen. Like a lion does and like a wolf does. Amen. I love what Dorothy said. Lions and tigers and bear. Oh my, it looks like it's over. But I'm telling you, amen, if you've got that internal stuff right, if you've got that external stuff right, you've got the presence of God on you. Amen. There's nothing that's going to swallow you up. Amen. There's no predator. Amen. That's going to overcome you. Amen. Amen. What this text says is that the predator is going to lay down. You know what that means? That means the predator is not, you're not going to take on the predators. 
amen, nature, the predator's going to take on your nature. Amen. The predator is not going to swallow you up. Amen. The spirit of God, you get that internal stuff right. You get that external stuff right. God's going to turn the thing around. Amen. That's what I'm telling you. Amen. There's no devil in hell that can stop God from what he wants to do in your life. There's no situation or circumstance. Amen. That can stop God from doing what God wants to do in your life. Amen. We've got to have that internal and that external stuff right. We've got to have that internal marking of holiness and that external marking of holiness. Why? Because that's where the presence of God is. And it didn't make much sense back then. But those so-called uneducated apostolic preachers were right the whole time. Stay with me if you would. I'm telling you, God's going to turn some things around. God's going to make that impossible thing become possible. God's going to take that predator thing. You know, it's interesting because there are predators. You know, Jesus said, I'm going to send you a sheep among the wolves. You know what a wolf is? There's nothing holy about that wolf. There's nothing separate about that wolf. It's got fangs. It's got paws. I mean, it's got every reason to overcome the sheep. But when the Spirit of God is there, God's going to turn that thing around. Amen. The search of situations and circumstances, no matter how impossible it is, God's going to turn that thing around. And I'm telling you, in this day and age, you know the one he's anointing? Amen. The ones that believe in him. You know the ones he's anointing? The ones that trust in him. You know the ones he's anointing? Amen. The ones that are dependent upon him. And I know we've gone just a little bit too long tonight, but I've done my part. Amen. Can we just let God do his part now? In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Come on, what's God saying to you? How's God challenging you? We've got to let God do a work in our heart. Amen. We've got to have his way. Amen. We've got to have his will. Amen. We can't. We've got to be wise. Amen. As serpents, as harmless as doves. Amen. We need that wisdom that only comes from God. We we need that strength that comes. We need that protection that comes from God. But here's what I'm telling you. I'm telling you, if you knew that God had your back. Amen. If you knew that God was going to answer prayer. Amen. What type of people would you reach for tonight? What type of hopelessness would you attack? What type of darkness would you run into carrying the light of the world? Amen. We've got to be reaching for anybody and everybody. Amen. People need the presence of God. They need the spirit of God in their life. That's one thing. But what are we doing in our own life, in our own family? We've got to have a revelation of God. Amen. I know it's one thing to be taught, but we, we've, got to, we've got to have a relationship with the presence of God. We need him in our church, and I know he's here. We need him in our home. We need him in our family. We need him in our community. Amen. I know it sounds crazy to tell a little story about a little old lady, but everybody knew who she was. Everybody knew she knew how to touch heaven. I'm telling you, if you knew God would hear your cry like that, what would you do? What type of intercessor would you become? What type of people would you reach for? I'm telling you, we cannot be intimidated by hopelessness and situations that look like they're going to hurt us, that look like they're going to swallow us up. God said, I'm going to send you as sheep among the wolves. 
Amen. And if God is calling, which he is, and if he's sending, which he is, his spirit is going to be with you everywhere that you go. And here's what I want you to know. Those things that are unholy, amen, that predator that looks like it's going to swallow everything up. Amen, not over here. God says he's going to change the nature of that thing. I know it doesn't make sense, but I'm telling you, God knows how to do it. We've got to trust him. Amen, all over this place, if we could just bow our heads. In the name of Jesus, I know it's late. Normally we'd have a big altar call, but I just took that time up. Amen, if you want to come forward, that's fine. But I, amen, I just want us to, to seek God in a way tonight. We need your revelation, God. Amen, we need to trust you. Amen, in our own life. I know the preacher's doing it, but God, but what, what about me and my life? God, I want you to reveal yourself in my life and my circumstances. God, I want to trust you. In the name of Jesus, God, I want you to fight my battles for me. Amen. God will fight them for you in ways that you can even imagine. God will provide for you in ways that you can't even imagine. I'm telling you, the season's coming up. Amen. You're going to have to have the revelation because, amen, God will fight for you in ways that no man can. God will guide you in ways that no man can. Amen. God will lead you in ways that no man. God will open up doors that no man can. In the name of Jesus. Come on, let's just pray for a minute. Jesus. Come on, we need you to fight, God. We need you to show up in our lives and our family, God. Come on, somebody, let's just talk to him for a moment. In the name of Jesus, come on, lay your situation out there. Hey, you remember those times where you made mistakes, took matters in your own? Let's get right, God. I'm sorry. I want what you have for me. 